When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everyone, thank you for joining. In this video, I think you're gonna enjoy it because I'm gonna be revealing the secrets of how Bill Ackman picks stocks. Now, why do we look at how Bill Ackman picks stocks? Well, first of all, he's been on kind of a roll lately. He's picked out a lot of companies that have outperformed the market by a huge extent. For the past four or five years, he has market-beating returns, and he's doing this pretty consistently. So I wanted to see how is he picking stocks? When does he know when to buy a stock? When does he know when to jump in? What is his process for doing this? Now, we can look at him, try to explain it, but I don't think this gives a full picture. Here's Bill Ackman's view on how he picks stocks. This is the checklist that he talks about. So we look for very high quality businesses, uh, what we describe as simple, predictable, free cash flow generative, dominant businesses, a, a business that Warren Buffett would describe as having a moat around it, right? If you, That's what he says. We look for these simple, predictable, free cash flow generative, dominant businesses that Warren Buffett would describe as having a moat around it. Now, to me, that's a little bit of like word spaghetti. He's just spitting out a bunch of investment guru talk, having a moat, having dominant businesses. It's free cash flow generative, right? Uh, Not much that's actually substance there. Not much that we can filter by. You can't type in with the screener, I want a dominant free cash flow generative business that has a wide moat like Warren Buffett would want. Right? That's not something that we can put into a screener. So what is Bill Ackman actually doing to pick a stock? Because what he says he's doing in an interview, in an interview format, is a lot of flowery language that's really not that actionable. And what I want to do in this video is reverse engineer how Bill Ackman looks at stocks, how he picks them, and how he knows when to buy them. So by the end of this video, you'll know how Bill Ackman both picks stocks, the criteria he looks at, and how he knows when to buy them. We'll answer both of those questions in this video. Now, the way that I have determined his stock picking checklist is through something called reverse engineering, which simply means that I look at the outcome, the companies that he has, and I use logic and deduction and reasoning and process of elimination to determine how he got to that outcome, how he gets these type of stocks in his portfolio and the reason behind it. Let's go ahead and look for some commonalities in his portfolio. We'll start off with Lowe's. If we go to Qualtrum Insights, this is a tool available to all patrons. We can type in the ticker symbol of Lowe's and we can see it pop up here. The first thing that I know about Lowe's is this is his biggest position. It's 24% of his portfolio. So he's very heavy into Lowe's and he's held this one for a while. Lowe's has a good brand name. So it has good brand value. It is a company that's widely known. It has a big market cap. So he's not looking for niche, unknown, small market cap companies. The next thing that I look at is that it has growing revenues over time. Lowe's is a growing company that also has what's called secular growth, which means that it has a long runway of growth. The type of things that Lowe's does is not going out of style, doing home projects and renovations. That's going to be a secular growth trend for a very long time. Lowe's has positive and growing EBITDA. This is a proxy for earnings. Lowe's has positive and growing free cash flow, another proxy for earnings. And then we have Lowe's net income, which is also positive and growing. So we're just taking in information here. Bill Ackman invested in a company that has good brand value, has growing revenues, 
positive growing EBITDA free cash flow net income. If we go over to the balance sheet, we can see that it does have debt. So we know that Bill Ackman is okay investing in a company that has a decent amount of debt, $24 billion. So he doesn't just rule out a company because it has above zero debt. Lowe's has $6.6 billion in cash. So they do have more debt than cash. Another thing that we can look at is Lowe's has a growing dividend. So this is a dividend pair and it's been growing steadily over a long period of time. This is very fast dividend growth. On top of that, Lowe's is also doing share buybacks. In fact, this company is devouring their shares outstanding. Back in 2017, early 2017, they had 866 million shares. Their last quarter, they had 686 million. So they are buying back hundreds of millions of shares over the past few years. And the effect this has on the stock is when you reduce the amount of shares outstanding, it helps the earnings per share increase. So you can look at the earnings per share of this company. Not only are they growing their net income, but they're also reducing the shares outstanding, which both help increase the earnings per share, which you can see is definitely happening with Lowe's. So just to summarize, his biggest position, good brand value, revenue growth, EBITDA that's positive, free cash flow that's positive, net income that's positive. He has some debt here, so he doesn't mind debt on the balance sheet, growing dividend and lots of share buybacks and a trend of growing earnings per share. Now let's go ahead and move on and look at his second biggest holding, which is Hilton. This is 18% of his portfolio just behind Lowe's. And keep in mind, what we're looking for here are commonalities. We're looking for common themes so we can deduce how he picks stocks, what type of factors he looks at. We can type in Hilton here. Should bring it right up. Hilton, the first thing that I know is that it has brand value. People will pick staying in a Hilton over some random hotel that they don't have any experience with. But it's also a big company, market cap of 40 billion. The revenue has been growing over time, prior to the pandemic. So my guess is he was looking for a growing company, but the pandemic happened and that kind of threw the the plan off a bit. But you can see that prior prior to COVID, prior to 2020, the revenues were growing over time. You can see the same thing with the EBITDA. It had EBITDA growth, then the pandemic happened. So I give this one a little bit of a pass that EBITDA has recovered. The free cash flow. We can see a very similar thing with the free cash flow. It was growing prior to COVID, then that happened, now it's recovering. So we see the same trend here between Hilton and Lowe's. They have revenue growth, they have EBITDA growth, free cash flow growth, net income growth. They also both have debt, so both of them have debt on the balance sheet. They have less cash than debt, so he's okay investing in companies with a lot of debt. Hilton differs in that it doesn't currently pay a dividend. It's the same though, in that it's doing share buybacks. Remember, Lowe's is aggressively buying back their stock. Hilton has been doing that over the past five years. Look at the share count decreasing. We can also look at the earnings per share. As Hilton buys back their own shares using free cash flow and their net income, the earnings per share will generally go up. You can see that this was also dampened though with COVID. But again, it's recovering and it's going back up. So overall, I do see a lot of similarities here. Both companies have the revenue, EBITDA, free cash flow, net income. Both of them are doing share buybacks. Both of them are growing their earnings per share. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one and look for any commonalities. We'll look at Chipotle. We can type in CMG here for Chipotle. Chipotle is another big company, well-known. So far, he has invested in no unknown companies or small cap companies. All of these are very large, well-known companies. Chipotle does have, like the others, growing revenue, and their revenue is growing very quickly. Chipotle also has positive and growing EBITDA. 
They have positive and growing free cash flow. They have positive and growing net income. Check, check, check. The exact same as Hilton, the exact same as Lowe's. They have no debt. So, so far, Bill Ackman has invested in companies that both have a lot of debt and ones that have no debt. Seems like he doesn't concern himself too much with the debt as long as it's manageable. All of these companies have manageable debt. And Chipotle does have a billion dollars in cash on the balance sheet. They pay no dividend. So he doesn't have a requirement that the company pays a dividend. They are, however, just like the previous two, doing share buybacks over time. You can see the share count going down over the past five years. So I think that Bill Ackman likes companies that either pay a dividend or do share buybacks or preferably both. But we can also look at the earnings per share. Like the other companies, generally speaking, this is going up. And right now, the earnings per share is going up quite fast. So again, all the similarities there. Revenue growth, EBITDA growth, free cash flow growth, net income growth, and share buybacks. Those are all similarities along with having the brand value of an established company. Moving on to the next one, we have Restaurant Brands International, ticker symbol QSR. QSR is another company, first of all, that's food, so he seems to like their restaurants, but it's also a well-recognized brand. They have brands like Burger King that just like Chipotle, everyone knows about, everyone knows what they're getting, and I do think they have substantial brand value. But again, we look at the commonalities here and you can see them. The revenue is growing over time. The EBITDA was growing prior to COVID and that set them back a bit, but it seems like it's recovering and generally growing over time. The free cash flow, likewise, is growing over time. All of these are positive. The net income is pretty consistent as well. It did take a hit during the pandemic and it seems to be recovering. So again, all the companies he's invested in have growing revenues. Every company so far has positive EBITDA, free cash flow, and net income. And many of them have debt. One of them doesn't have debt. QSR has $12.9 billion in debt. So this is a company that has a lot of debt. No other way around it. He's okay investing in companies that have quite a bit of debt. This does, however, pay a very good dividend. So they have a growing and substantial dividend. In fact, if we look at the dividend yield, it's currently 3.7%. So they don't have share buybacks. This one differs from the other. That it's the only one so far that's not actively doing share buybacks, but it's paying a substantial dividend. So he might be looking at this and saying, well, they got to return money one way or the other through dividends or share buybacks. It'd be good if they did both, but he's probably looking at this one and seeing that they do a substantial dividend. And then like all the others, it's growing its earnings per share over time. So to summarize so far, just to keep a tally, every company so far is a big company, good brand value, recognizable names. They have growing revenue, positive EBITDA, free cash flow and net income, and growing earnings per share over time. And so far, the majority of them are doing share buybacks or dividends. Now, the next one is kind of a one-off, which is Howard Hughes Corp. I'm not going to look at this one because it's a real estate play, which all the fundamentals are completely different and they have completely different leverage ratios and stuff. So I'm going to skip this one and look at Domino's Pizza. That's the next big buy that he's done in his portfolio. It makes up 10.95% of his portfolio. I look at Domino's and see many of the exact same attributes. Domino's, of course, has brand value. People recognize the brand. They know what they're getting when they buy Domino's. And all the same things you would expect. Growing revenues. Every single company so far has growing revenues. Positive EBITDA, free cash flow, and net income. And all of them are growing over time. So far, every single company has those four things. Growing revenues, positive EBITDA, free cash flow, and net income. Domino's does have a lot of debt, so this is very common among Bill Ackman Holdings. He's okay investing in companies that have a decent amount of debt. In fact, 
Domino's has $5 billion of debt and only $148 million in cash. So it's a heavily indebted company and he's okay with that. Domino's also has a substantially growing dividend over time. This chart looks a little funny because of these two special dividends. But if we go back to 2013, it had a 20 cent dividend per quarter and now it has a dollar and 10 cent dividend per quarter. So they've over 5x their dividend over like the past nine years. That is substantial dividend growth. So a lot of the companies that he invests in also pay a dividend. They all, every one of them, have growing earnings per share over time. That's something that every single company he's invested in so far has. And the huge majority of them, all of them but one so far, has a declining share count. So I think he's looking for companies that are devouring their shares outstanding. They're lowering this share count over time. Domino's is certainly one of the companies doing this. So again, if we're just keeping track, every company is a big company with good brand value, growing revenues, EBITDA free cash flow, net income. Some of them pay a dividend, some of them don't, but most of them either pay a large dividend or they devour their shares outstanding by doing share buybacks. They do one of those two things. So we're looking at all the commonalities here. We can look at the next holding, which is Canadian Pacific Railway. This one's a little bit different than the others. So we can type in CP to bring up this one. If we look at brand value, I don't know if brand value is the most important thing with the railway. It might be, but I think that this is more of an industrial where it's going to be used whether or not it has brand value or not. So that's something that might be similar. Let's go ahead and look at some of the fundamentals here. It has growing revenue over time. You can see year over year it's growing. It has positive EBITDA, positive free cash flow, positive net income, All of those are growing over time. Bill Ackman certainly looks at those attributes because every single company without fail has had them. Their balance sheet looks very similar. They also have quite a bit of debt. It looks like they recently took out more debt, maybe to fund some acquisition, but they currently have $21 billion of debt and they currently have a very low amount of cash, $70 million in cash. So this company is okay being levered and Bill Ackman is obviously okay with their current balance sheet. Uh, If we look at the dividends, much like every other company, they have a growing dividend over time. The only reason that it's lowered is because they did a stock split. So otherwise, the dividend would be going up the entire time. If we look at the earnings per share, just like every other company, over the past five years before this asset that was sold, their earnings per share is growing consistently. And this is a brand new holding for Bill Ackman. And then the last thing that we can look at is the shares outstanding. Before the stock split, you could see that they were also doing share buybacks. This is very consistent amongst every company. In 2017, they had 146 million shares outstanding and they bought back all the way to 133. So they were doing some share buybacks as well. So when I look over all these companies, they all have similarities. The last one that I want to go into is one that's seemingly very different, but we know it's a new holding of Bill Ackman's, which is Netflix. Now we're looking at Netflix here. Now your first assumption Maybe that Netflix is kind of out of left field, being a tech company, this streaming company amidst all these restaurants and you know these other companies he's investing in. But Netflix, I think, is actually more similar to the rest of his holdings and different. When you actually look at the business fundamentals, you realize how similar Netflix is. For example, Netflix is a big established company like every other one that he invests in, has a high market cap. It's a brand that everyone knows. Everyone knows what Burger King is. Everyone knows what Chipotle is. Everyone knows what Lowe's is and everyone knows what Netflix is. They all have strong brand value. None of these companies are unknown companies that nobody knows about. Netflix also 
just like the rest of them, has growing revenues over time. It has growing EBITDA over time. It's very consistently growing. Now, Netflix is a little bit different, and the way that they amortize their content costs makes it so that their EBITDA is far different than their free cash flow. And this is where there is a divergence. So far, every company he's invested in has had positive history of free cash flow. Netflix is the only one to have negative free cash flow in its history. But an important thing to keep in mind is investors like Bill Ackman are investing for the future, not the past. And Netflix has said this year they will have positive free cash flow and they'll have it every year going forward. So as of right now, Netflix is transitioning and has transitioned to a free cash flow positive company. So if you asked Bill Ackman about this, he probably considers Netflix a company that will generate considerable amounts of free cash flow in the future. And net income is obviously positive as well. It's growing over time as well. So again, if you actually compare Netflix and the qualities, they look very similar to every other holding in his portfolio. Big name, good brand value, growing revenues, growing EBITDA, free cash flow positive now going forward, positive net income. It does have debt like many of his other companies. He's okay investing in companies that have debt. It's declining over time as they're not funding their business through debt anymore. They have cash on hand of $6.03 billion. They don't pay a dividend, so that's not a requirement. They have positive earnings per share growth. This is beyond just a positive EPS trend. It's kind of an explosion of, of earnings growth over the past couple of years. And then the last thing is that Netflix is a company that, again, is different from the rest of them in that it has a history of share dilution, not share buybacks. Bill Ackman very much prefers companies that are doing share buybacks and dividends. And so far, Netflix pays no dividend, and it looks like the company is diluting shareholders. But keep in mind again, Netflix is now free cash flow positive. This chart, starting this year, is going to start declining. They will start doing share buybacks. The management team has already said that. So if you're buying Netflix right now, like Bill Ackman is, you are buying a company that will be doing share buybacks. So when I look over all these companies, I see a lot of the same commonalities. I can use deductive reasoning to try to figure out how Bill Ackman picks stocks. We can even look at recent holdings. For instance, Starbucks. This is one that he just recently sold to buy Domino's Pizza, but it has very much similar characteristics. Great brand value, big company that's well-established, growing revenues, EBITDA, free cash flow, net income, has some debt on hand, has less cash, very similar to every other company pays a growing dividend, and is doing lots of share buybacks. And it's growing its earnings per share over time. Check, 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 check. Everything is the exact same as all the other companies that he holds. So when I look over this, and I try to use deductive reasoning and reverse engineering to finalize a checklist of what Bill Ackman looks at, this is what I come up with. And I hope you appreciate me putting this together. Took a little bit of time, but I think this really does summarize it. So let's go ahead and go through it. Every company that he buys has significant brand value. They are not unknown companies. Every single one, you name them, they have brand value. Brand value means that they have customer loyalty, customer trust. They have flexibility with pricing power and a bunch of other positive attributes. Every one of them is in secular growth. All the companies had growing revenues. Not a single one had declining revenues. You can look at the hotel business, but that declining revenue is not because of secular decline, it's because of a one-time incident. So every single company that he buys is in an industry that has secular growth. Every single company that he buys has pricing power. Without fail, all of them. Netflix has it. They're raising prices. It might make people upset. 
Um, Starbucks is raising prices. Domino's Pizza just raised prices. You know, every single company that he buys has pricing power. Pricing power, simply put, means that the company has the power to raise prices without losing their customers to competitors. That's pricing power. All the companies he buys has it. Revenue growth. Every single company had revenue growth. Positive free cash flow, EBITDA, and net income. Every single company has it. The only arguable one is Netflix, but they're on the cusp of becoming free cash flow positive. And if their projections are correct, they'll have it this year. So all these characteristics of having positive free cash flow, EBITDA, and net income make it so that these companies often fund a growing dividend. And if they don't fund a growing dividend, they fund share buybacks, which are two different ways of returning capital to the shareholder. Dividend payments, of course, are just cold hard cash. You can use it to compound your your gains by reinvesting. And share buybacks are eliminating a lot of the shares outstanding. It eliminates the total float. And so that your share price tends to go up. It has a positive effect on the earnings per share. And every company he invests in has positive EPS growth. All of them have trending long-term positive EPS. So this is the checklist of every single company he invests in. Every single one that I can find. And you can try to correct me if you're wrong, but I've looked at all of them. I've done extensive research on this and every single one of them have these type of attributes. These are great companies. If you find a company that has these attributes, it's going to have a significant moat. It's going to be a very dominant company. The big question that comes next is, while it's great to have brand value and secular growth and pricing power, the big question is when to buy these companies, when you can actually get them for a good deal. Because not only does Bill Ackman buy these companies, but he buys them at very opportune times that leads to excess gains, market beating gains. And this is also something that I've researched and tried to figure out with reverse engineering how he initiates his buys. And I noticed another commonality. Every time he enters into a new position on a company, every single time, the PE ratio or the price to sales or whatever valuation metric you look at is typically trading below its historical average or at all-time lows. He buys the companies during significant dips. He buys them when they're trading at valuations below their historical norm. We can look at different examples of this. For instance, when he bought Starbucks, Starbucks was trading at like a 23 PE ratio. That was very low compared to its historical norm. He held Starbucks until it traded up to a 27, 28 PE ratio. Then he sold the company. So by doing that, Bill Ackman gets two types of returns, two different ways that he increases his gains. One of them is by the natural growth of the company. This company is going to grow naturally over time just by compounding and growing and opening up new locations and growing their earnings. So that's one way that you get returns. The other way is through multiple expansion. If you can buy this company when it's trading at a 23 PE ratio and wait for the market to trade it up to a 28 PE ratio, you get the multiple expansion. So not only does Bill Ackman get the multiple expansion, he also gets the natural growth of the company. Both of those things combined lead to market beating returns. So he buys companies when there are significant dips trading below their historical norm. Another example we can look at more recently is Netflix. Netflix is trading at a 5.6 price to sales. 5.6. Look up the historical average of the price to sales that Netflix trades at. It's around 10. In fact, sometimes it gets up to like 12 price to sales. Now it's trading at a 5.6. So Bill Ackman waited until this company traded down 50%, the valuation got crushed, and the price to sales plummeted. He bought a company that has all of these characteristics at a time where it was trading 
well below its historical average. So just to summarize how Bill Ackman invests, he buys companies with significant brand value. They're in secular growth. They have pricing power, every single one of them. They always have revenue growth. They always have positive free cash flow, EBITDA, and net income. They either pay a big dividend or they do share buybacks. In some cases, they do both. He really likes companies that do aggressive share buybacks. Every single company he invests in has earnings per share growth, and he buys these companies at opportune times where their valuation trades well below its historical norm. He waits for the multiples to expand, and he gets both the returns of the multiple expansion and the returns of the natural growth of the company as well. And then he sells and locks in gains, and he looks for other opportunities. According to my research, my reverse engineering, that is specifically how Bill Ackman invests. And I think that this is something that more investors could do. More investors could look at this checklist and follow the exact same thing and probably have very good returns. So that's my thoughts on this subject. I hope this video was a little bit insightful, at least fun to look at. Let me know if you like this type of thing and I'll do more of them in the future. Other than that, I'll see you in the next one.